Metropolitans were living and dying with every single pitch with this team. We'll go over what happened against the Marlins, and then we'll preview the Brave series, although the, the preview is not going to really mean much once this gets out and about. So we'll just talk about the final home stretch, what to expect for the postseason, and overall thoughts about the current roster, the current lineup, the current pitching rotation, the current bullpen, and what but, what what's Buck doing? A lot of decisions to be made heading down the stretch. We'll look at most likely playoff scenarios and um, let's talk Mets. Let's talk Mets. Let's talk Mets. You know, I had mentioned when talking about the Giants that in that Monday Night Football game against the Cowboys, every snap was life or death. Every pitch of this second Marlins game was life or death for, for me. Life or death. It was unreal. And it's unreal to think that this team is on the precipice of winning 100 games. We are officially one of the top five hottest teams in Major League Baseball over the past two weeks. And people are still, myself included, chomping away at the fingernails and rubbing a god and wearing a path in our carpets, collective carpets, pacing back and forth, wringing our hands, pulling our hair out because of the goddamn Atlanta Braves just don't refuse to give up, even though they lost um, against the Nats. Um, we're at 97 wins now, 98 wins, and we just can't can't give up. We got to keep putting the pedal to the metal. Uh, I just, I hate playing the Marlins in September, dude. I hate it. It's, uh, I tweeted like, how much do you think Steve Cohen needs to pay Major League Baseball for the Mets to never play the Marlins in September again? Never, dude, ever. I never want to see the Marlins in September. And, you know, there are tweets out there saying like, oh, we're on the precipice of 100 win. This is a 100 win team that's already clinched the playoff spot and we're still fretting over scattered losses to the Cubs, Nats, and Marlins. And I'm like, my man, I don't give a fuck if those losses are in April or May or even June or even July. But when they come down the stretch, especially in September, you're not a Mets fan if you don't get a little skittish about those losses. If that doesn't bring up something dark within your soul, I don't know that you're really a true Mets fan. Where were you in 0708, my man. Where the hell were you in 87? You know, this is like shit happens down the down the home stretch that and this is why baseball is an insane sport, because you can follow for 150, 140 games and feel high as a kite and be like, this team is the best in the world. We're going to we're going to run a train on everyone in the playoffs and go to the World Series. And then September hits and you start losing. You get swept by the Nationals and then you get swept by the Cubs and then you're losing games to the Marlins and the it's just like okay i mean you know uh you know i shouldn't say you're not a mets fan you are a better mets fan i guess than 90 percent of the fan base because like for you to still have that confidence and that swagger um to you as a fan having gone through that and seeing all that i don't know you're strong you're a strong mentally strong person and i envy you but it's hard to not to have the like the knee-jerk cringe moments where you know you're like i can't believe we're losing to the fucking marlins for nothing at home in a tight pennant race and i tweeted how how do the marlins lose 90 games I, there was a they put up a graphic of the the probables or the pitchers the marlins pitcher the opponent's batting average was like 168 and his era was 3.57 how does that happen i feel like they are the marlins might be the biggest anomaly in major league baseball 
baseball. They have to be. For them to have the kind of pitching staff they have, the pitchers that they have, who are lights out as far as the starting rotation goes, and are able to come up with big hits against pretty good pitching, how are they? How do they have 91 losses? How is that possible? It blows my mind. And But now we got this uh, Brave series coming up. The Hurricane Ian that was threatening play in Atlanta has been downgraded to a tropical storm. The Mets offered to move, uh, what was it? Because they're off today. Tomorrow they were going to move up the game up one so they didn't have to play a double header if it was rained out. And the Braves were like, no, I think we're going to avoid all that nonsense. But um, Clem from Barstool Sports made a good point. It's like if we didn't have this labor, the work stoppage or whatever, labor uh, dispute at the beginning of the season that pushed the, the season back, the Mets would not be playing this series against the Braves this, this late in the season. But I got to say, it's conflicting as hell. Part of me wants to believe this series against the Braves is in all intents and for all intents and purposes, the postseason. And that iron sharpens iron. And by us engaging in this tough late September postseason-esque series, we are going to, it's going to bolster us, embolden us for the actual postseason. The other part of me is like, we're going to like, expound so much energy and effort on this series to win the division that if we do lose the series and in essence the division we're going to be shot for the postseason so if we win the series we win the division it'll be all be worth it and we'll get the bye and we'll get to rest and we'll get some guys back from injury although it doesn't sound like Starling Marte is going to be back anytime soon which freaking stinks and uh doesn't look like Darren Ruff is going to be making the postseason roster it's, it's like uh it'd be nice to have JD Davis right now but you gotta you live and you learn dude i mean like jd davis was not exactly lighting the world on fire he wasn't he wasn't like stinking out loud like rough is but he wasn't lighting the world on fire and naquin's come back down to earth volgaback has kind of come back down to earth but then you have eduardo escobar dude the september of escobar unreal what he the numbers he's putting up and nito tomas nito has had a a pretty decent september so far so uh, i got i i almost gotta think you have to like you have to say to mccann it's almost like McCann is your late game defensive replacement to in tight games strictly there to throw guys out if they try to steal like eighth ninth inning tight ball game they bring in their base runner we have McCann in behind the plate and he he can throw them out that's essentially his sole purpose now because he's like can't be trusted in the lineup Nito's on fire Nito's better defensively and is preferred by DeGrom and the pitching staff I guess so I guess Nito is your guy moving forward uh would love to see Escobar continue this hot streak which is crazy um um, but loving it and uh, like to think that at the trade deadline we were pissed that we didn't get a third baseman and now escobar is the guy that we all were hoping he would be and then some the fact that he has 20 home runs is like crazy to me (laughs) like we were i was like he's lucky to get to 10 (laughs) and he's at 20 and uh no signs of stopping so i hopefully he's able to continue things i think pete you know gone a little cold especially with runners and runners in scoring position you know kind of can happen here there i think He's just pressing too much. Same could be said of Lindor. I mean, last night was a, a case of we had the opportunities, guys in position, and I think the hitters were just pressing too much. Like we we are an offense based on the premise of grinding it out, working the pitch count, making pitchers work for it. And in three chances, three or more chances where we have runners in scoring position and we have Lindor, Alonzo, and even McNeil up at bat, you, you think, okay, we're going to at least advance the runners or get a guy in. Like this is, it's just a foregone conclusion. 
and then they're swinging at the first pitch or they're swinging at uh, balls way out of the strike zone. It's like just pressing too much. The McNeil at bat was crazy to me. Like I did not expect that out of Jeff to swing at the first pitch, especially such a bad pitch where it was like, you, you, there's only so much you can do with that. I don't know. You can do anything with that. I, I, I fully expected him for McNeil to come through in that position, not Escobar. And so that was a pleasant surprise, but whew, they don't make it easy on us, do they? But again, grinding it out, they were able to do what the Braves weren't able to do against the Nats and extra innings. We are like as close to perfect in extra innings as you can be, which is uh, a great sign. And uh, what it comes down to in terms of when you're looking at the postseason. So for the Brave series, it's DeGrom in game one, Scherzer in game two, Bassett in game three. I think... uh, I love Jacob DeGrom, okay? I love him. But at the same time, he's kind of not been... Hmm, he's just not quite there yet to where we know him to be. Like pre this year, pre-2021, where it was like, you can expect at least seven innings. You can expect double-digit strikeouts. You can expect this, this, this. Now you got to pencil him in for five, probably not six. He's not going to hit double-digit Ks. He's still going to look fairly dominant in most at-bats, but he's not looking like he used to, you know? And I think you can tell that when he gives up a home run or a hit, he's kind of almost a little thrown off. Like, whoa, that's not supposed to happen. Um, so I'm not entirely confident about game one, especially since we're going up against Max Freed. I think that probably is a close loss, unfortunately. You got Scherzer against, I forget who in game two. I have, I feel better about that game. I think that could be, a, that's probably a W. And then I feel the most confident about Bassett in game three. I think that's a definite one. And then, uh, you know, we go from there. But someone, ugh, someone tweeted that they saw, wouldn't it be, wouldn't it be just so Mets to win the series against Atlanta and then then get swept by the Nationals in the last three games over now. I was like, why did you put that into my brain? I didn't need that in my brain. My brain is so crowded with so many bad thoughts. I don't need that dancing around up there. So, uh, yeah, I listen. Pete's having an unbelievable year. Lindor, career season. McNeil, career season. I think only Freddie Freeman has a higher betting average than McNeil. Escobar is coming around. I would like to see a little bit more out of Guillaume. I think Guillaume hasn't been what the doctor has ordered. I think, uh, you know, a lot of people have thought when he came back there was going to be an infusion of offense and and whatnot and i don't know that i've necessarily seen that out of guillermo yet i think uh nimmo has been kind of inconsistent and spotty although he he is a master he's still a master at drawing walks so i think there's you know if anyone can take a maybe lindor and mcneil and pete can just like you know just take notes next time nimmo's at bat um would love to see naquin you know step up and uh you know i think canna has come back down to earth a little bit you know, after after looking so hot um, in uh, late August, so there's a there's a debate now. I think Anthony Tacoma put this out in a newsletter and a tweet. Hey, as we start to prep for the postseason, who do you really want to be that fourth starter for the Mets? Is it going to be Carlos Carrasco or Taiwan Walker? And I tell you what, this Marlins season didn't do them any favors. Either one of them. You know, I think SMY put it out. Who'd you rather? They put out a poll. Who'd you rather see our fourth starter, Carrasco or Walker? And I wrote I wrote in Trevor Williams. <laughs> It feels like Trevor Williams has been the most consistent out of uh, out of the three. Um, you know, I I mean, Cookie, he's an interesting cat, man. Same with same with Walker. It feels like they the uh, Carrasco either has like a horrific first inning and then settles down, or is just pretty you know okay and is able to uh, give us six solid innings. Walker is similar, although his bad inning you don't know when it's coming, but it's usually bad. And so either one of those, I don't I don't feel like I'm not like that confident in either one of those guys. Oddly enough, I almost want to see Trevor Williams, like just give him the ball and see what happens. 
just be like, yeah, maybe he'll give us five innings, one or two runs. Okay. And then, but then you have to count on your bullpen, which is, <sighs> although Drew Smith looked good. You know, Edwin's Edwin. He's just, uh, he's playing out of his gourd. Drew Smith showed me a lot in extra innings last night. Hopefully that's the Drew Smith we get moving forward. And that the previous outing against, uh, was it the Brewers? It's just in, what is it? Affirmation? Nope. Nope. <sighs> I'm out of words. I'm out of words. I think I've run out of words. The vocabulary is not running on E. What is it? Conflagration. No. Apostulation. Abomination. Nope. I'll figure it out about half an hour after I stop recording. <laughs> All right. So, yeah. Uh, I think I had the postseason probabilities here where we can see most likely scenarios. It looks like, the, you know, obviously the Dodgers and the Astros are the top seeds in each of their leagues. Um, right now, I think Baseball Reference has the Mets winning um, with the Cardinals uh, winning the Central and then the Braves, Padres, Phillies as the wild cards. The Phillies uh, have not exactly been running away with that last wild card spot with the Brewers. But I don't know if the, the Brewers have really uh, done much to threaten. But it, yeah, it looks like the, the Brewers will come up short and the Phillies will get that last wild card spot. Which So, okay, so say we don't win the division and we do get that first wild card where the four seed, we would then face the Padres, which I'm not too keen on. You know, would be nice, um, like if we were not to win the East to face the Phillies, but that doesn't look like it's uh, it's going to happen. Unless the Phillies, you know, just go on a tear. Um, I'd much rather face the Phillies than the Padres in the postseason. God, I want that buy so goddamn bad. Because <laughs> I feel like it will do such wonders for our team. You know, it's got to be so nerve wracking to have to live and die with every pitch like this, and especially after all the wins you've you've stacked. I mean, we're three away from we're we're two away from 100 wins, which if you had said, hey, we're going to win a we're going to win 100 games this year, you would have been like, fuck, yeah, dude. All right, let's roll. But the, but having to I mean, it's kind of cool. I'll be honest, like it's nerve wracking, but it is definitely cool that like it's just us versus the Braves and like for the division. I think that's definitely cool. I just wish we were at full like health <laughs> the full staff like wish we had Marte and you know um you know our bullpen was a little a little sturdier although the bullpen has not been I guess that they have not been that bad Joely Joely Rodriguez has really come on of late so I can't really knock them too much it's just our offense t- tends to go to sleep some games just like forgets how to hit forgets how to work the count can't have it won't have it so but from what that from what I'm seeing on baseball reference, it looks like our best case scenario is we go we have 104 wins, we win the division. A worst case scenario is that we um we win one more game. Um they have us uh at fifty-six percent chance of winning the division, but they have the Braves with a higher percentage of making the league championship series, which I thought was interesting. They also have the Braves as uh are reaching the league ch- championship series. They have the Braves with a higher percentage. Percentage. They have the Braves with the second highest pers- and odds of winning the pennant and the second highest odds of winning the World Series. You know, that's what we're up against right now. That's what we're up against. Versus sub 500 teams, Carrasco is 11 and 2 with a 2.14 ERA. And hitters from those clubs have a 247, 295, 369 slash line against them. And of course, he didn't. This is before the Marlins game where he got kind of knocked around. And then Walker. Uh, is two and three with a 501 ERA against winning teams and 10 and one with a 2.29 mark against losing ones. Only four starts, a fewer than five innings compared to seven for Carrasco. Um, yeah, so if you're looking at that whole comparison matchup, Carrasco versus Walker. I guess you go with Carrasco because he's the veteran and because... No, I guess you go with Walker. I don't know, dude. Again, I'm not high on either one of those. I I think I'd just go with Trevor Williams, call it a day. 
So a lot of people criticizing Buck for a lot of the moves he's making, you know, letting uh, Nito bat late in the game against the Marlins. And then, um, you know, people criticizing that. But then Nito almost hits it out of the ballpark for a walk off, gets a double and put the put the Mets in a good position to win that game. Um, you know, not pitch hitting for McCann, not taking uh, DeGrom out in the sixth against the Pirates. You know, there are a lot of moves that people are questioning as we get down to the wire that they weren't questioning before. It feels like he was pushing all the right buttons before and now it's like not so much. Um, but dude, it's Buck. I trust this dude wholeheartedly. I trust him. I think these are intentional decisions and moves to see what he's got going on for the postseason. He's thinking about the postseason, like especially after they clinched last week. Like as soon as that happened, he was like, okay, now I got to start planning for the postseason. Uh, I need to plan for not only the bye week, but I'm going to plan for we're playing in the wild card. Like he's he's planning like a madman. And so I completely have faith in him and the decisions he's making. He's the reason he's got a reason. He's not it's not like he's not thinking about it. And it's not like he's he's uh, crapping the bed. And all of a sudden he's uh, panicking and making a panic move. None of that's happening. Everything, every move that he's making is, is um, solidified or based on logic, reason, experience. Like he's, he's got it under control. I'm not going to question him much, um, you know, until he gives me a reason to question it. And I don't think he has. So still like it's doing a number on me right now these these games dude oh doing a number on me but this will be exciting who knows what's in store for next week's episode of giant mess because uh we could be we could be celebrating a division title or we could be gearing up for what could be an early exit in the playoffs i don't want to say it but damn like that wild card against the padres for whatever reason, is just caught, give me the heebie-jeebies, dude. So let's go win in Atlanta, okay? And then let's not let the Nats be pesky. Let's swat those Nats and finish on a high note. Because uh, I know that like that 2015 season where we clinched the division early, and then we kind of went into coast mode, cruise control mode, that scared the piss out of me. So I was like, wow, we have zero momentum going into the playoffs. And then, of course, Daniel Murphy decided to be a superhero. So I don't know. I don't know what I'm talking about. Why are you listening to me? Get the hell out of here. Go out there and get some strange. All right, that's enough. That's enough. Thank you for listening. Uh, if you made it this far, let me buy you a drink when I get a job. I can't buy you anything right now. I'm sorry. Just put it on my tab. Put it on my tab. And uh, until next week, adios, muchachos. Mm-hmm.